1: Self-judgment is probably best understood spiritually as a form of inner motion, particularly as two forms of movement, in fact, with respect to, to the dimension of truth. And the two dimensions we're going to talk about tonight is repetition and recollection. I'm sorry, recollection, if I said that right. Recollection is understood as recovering the truth that's already present in you, which has been repressed or forgotten. And this is a movement backwards because it's retrieving knowledge from the past and it's backward motion, and this motion alone can never move you into the dimension of truth. But in contrast, repetition, which I'm great at doing, (laughs) is defined as recollection forward, which is a definitive movement towards the truth, but also the dimension of love and freedom. And tonight, joining me in this dimension is Irma Francis. Hi, Irma. How are you?
2: (laughs) Hi, Ernie. I'm doing great. I love this topic tonight. It's so important. Yeah, self-judgment is
1: something that uh, we all struggle with. And, uh, and, of course, you and I talk all the time about two ways to be divided, and one being guilt and the other shame. Guilt being mm-hmm. self-blame, self-punishment, yeah, and shame being self-loathing and self-hatred. So judgment is tied to those two experiences of guilt and shame. And, and so tonight we're going to talk about that, this idea of moving backwards with the intent of moving forward, which is totally different than just moving backwards and not doing that. An observation, or being in the soul's intent, or being in that position of observer, allows us to pay attention to that movement as we go back and forth, or as we say in spiritual work, in and out, because that's the process. There's no way around that reality. Yes? Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. That we go
3: in and out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the word you're using that you used in the opening is recall recollection. What is the word? Recalling Recoli- something.
1: I know it's hard to say. It's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, it is hard to say. Recollection. <laughs> recollection uh-huh. so to, is yeah, is one so. is one form of movement, and then mm-hmm. repetition is the other form of movement. So when we are recalling something, that implies that it's coming from a repressed place, and then we re- when we repeat something. We're really trying to make sense of it. We're trying to find a context, for it. and and when we recall something, we're going back to get it. When we repeat something, we're trying to make sense of it in the present so we can move forward. Those are kind of existential words, really. This is a business of recalling and then repeating, uh, mm-hmm. and and that 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 dimension of existentialism, which is kind of you know standing out or above uh, your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings. Uh, for the sole purpose, really, of uh, of context, of seeing the larger picture, and so what what the oh. ego tends to do oh. is recall, is is just is just recall things over and over and over again, and and but it tends to swim in whatever it's recalling. So that's the beauty of uh, being able to step back and look at it, which is why dream content. Is a great way to do that because in your dreams, the soul is bringing, bringing up the past, but it's putting you in the position of observer as you're watching the movie, so to speak, which is your inner life. And, and mm-hmm. then when you wake up and come out of, that dream, out, of, out of that dream state, you then have a choice what to do with what you've just recalled, you see. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the beauty of it is it's coming to you in, uh, in dreams with symbols, and which is the way the soul speaks to us. So yeah, this business of recalling and then repeating uh, is is profound because when you think about what the what the ego does, Irma is is it tends to um, get into a pattern of recollection and a pattern of recalling
3: so mm-hmm. much so
1: that it doesn't realize that it doesn't realize that it's actually in the past and the the downside of that, of course, is the body can't tell the difference between an inside outside experience, so the body goes there with the ego you see, and so mm. self judgment is a way yeah self judgment is really the way that we abuse the body <laughs> um by by taking it back and in, back into the past and then and then pull it into the present and back to the past, pulled in the present, and we keep doing that and and as you can see as it sounds, it's exhausting. If you don't get above it and say, "Well, what's the benefit of continuing to recall this, this information if I'm not going to do something with it?" And of course what you're to do is to heal the wounded ego, to wound the shadow. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're not using it to heal those wo- if you're not using it to heal those wounds, all you're doing is like picking a scab or picking at a wound that has a band-Aid on it, if you're just
3: mm-hmm. recalling
1: the wound and, doing, and, not doing, and not doing anything else with it. Does that make sense?
2: It makes total sense. I don't think I've really thought of recalling in that way, but I, you know, as you're saying that, I can definitely um, kind of picture myself when, when something comes up, I can see my eyes kind of turn to a certain direction as if to recall what's happening right now in front of me to make um, to recall it from the past to see how the past and what's happening currently, um, what's the lesson in that? I guess, and I think I do that a yeah. lot. And then, and then I find resolution in that.
1: Well, you know how I like to play with words. I, if you take the word "collection," yeah, what do you think the ego is doing? You know, the ego is collect memories and feelings. Uh-huh and making and making emotions with those with those collections of feelings and memories and then when you recall something you're recollecting what's been collected and the body cannot tell if it's a past tense experience or a present tense experience that's the downside you see unless you're awake if you're awake then you can you can see this is and this is like if you wake up out of a out of a dream that's been stressful you know the body doesn't know if you're dreaming it or if it's happening for real it's no different
3: mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
1: and so, so so i want the folks to hear tonight self yeah that self judgment is um uh is a, is a profound problem in spiritual work and as we evolve as human beings because what we're doing in the self-judgments is we are doing guilt, which is punishing ourselves and blaming ourselves for a life that we feel like has not been lived correctly. And if it's shame, then we are, we are uh, thinking that we're, we're doing self-hatred and self-loathing so we don't think we're love-worthy. And and so there's no place for that love that we do get in the world to collect, no place for it to stick, no Velcro inside the self. When somebody says I love you, no place for it to stick, and and hmm. so therefore just bounces off of us, and it doesn't feel it doesn't fill up that that proverbial cup I, that I talk about in, in, the, in the in this idea of self-esteem and self-worth. And these these positive things that we experience in life need to have a place to stick and the human ego. If it isn't present tense, with its adaption, will tend to reflect it or deflect it, and therefore it doesn't accumulate. Self love doesn't accumulate. Mm-hmm. Healing doesn't happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a shield. The ego has a shield up, a defense, because it doesn't want to get hurt anymore, and it doesn't trust, and so it's not going to take any positive affirmation uh, because people that have used those words before weren't trustworthy. And, so, and so, it, so, it's all, so, so it's all kind of related. So if you have the wound of guilt and shame, and we all do at some level, if we have the, those, those, those individual specific wounds of guilt and shame, it is, it is recollecting, recalling, bringing it to the surface, bringing it to the foreground so you can see it, and then repeating it again in an awakened state, in a present tense state, and healing it and letting it go. Uh, that that literally mm-hmm. is the image for how you get rid of you know how you get rid of baggage i mean this is what a lot of people call mm-hmm. this stuff they all call it you know we in the culture we call it baggage. well, imagine you're at the airport and you have this uh this conveyor belt that's put, that's bringing all the bags around and you're trying to find your own well, imagine all the bags on that conveyor belt are yours, <laughs> and every time it pass and every time a bag that looks like yours passes you, you pull it off the belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, literally is, that literally is what's happening in the brain every time we recall the past, we're grabbing a bag off the belt and putting it at our feet. And before we know it, we've got, we're just overwhelmed with baggage. And, uh, and so the mm-hmm. recollection in, in and of itself is just stacking up baggage. So why, why take it off the belt if you're not going to do something with it, you see? What we tend to mm-hmm. do is put it back mm-hmm. on the belt. <laughs> at the uh-huh. end of the recollection whatever they may be we just put it back on the belt and watch it go around again as soon as we get up the very next day we think the belt is empty and it's full of all the same bags and had the day before i mean that literally is what it looks like and that's the image i have in my head for this as i'm saying it that uh that we have this proverbial uh kind of a uh, really big conveyor belt that's pulling the the, these past experiences into our view and then as the belt moves it goes out of our view and we decide which particular one we're going to focus on today and that's the one we take off the belt, that's the one we put at our feet and so the soul wants us to, to the bag carefully uh, and then work on letting it go mm-hmm. you know uh, but what we tend to do yeah. instead mm-hmm. is just put it at the end of the day, we put it back on the belt and do it again tomorrow. <laughs> it's a never-ending mm-hmm. end, you know, process. Yeah, I just kind of wow. made that up, but it, it works for me. And, it works for me. Yeah,
2: that that <laughs> makes so much sense, and that image is is a great image to have. Yeah, I I really you know when I was thinking about the show tonight, I I of course we we think in different ways so you always bring a a new awareness a a different way of of looking at things which is always helpful to me and I'm I'm sure to our our listeners as well I was kind of um, (laughs) I can be a little analytical I think and I was kind of picking it apart and and asking myself well okay so self-judgment Okay. So, what's what's the opposite of self-judgment? Well, self-acceptance. Okay. So, I'm kind of following that train of thought and I'm like, "Well, what what self are we talking about? What what self?" Mm-hmm. Because to me, well, the true well, a- self isn't one thing. It isn't like a solid thing. It's more fluid. So, it's not Yeah, so that's that's what I was asking. What self?
1: That's, well, well, that's that's very good. Well, if we stay inside the analogy, if we stay inside the image of the conveyor belt, uh, the the true self uh, would be a uh, an endless and kind of infinite, eternal, always moving in motion mm-hmm. belt with mm-hmm. no
3: luggage, with mm-hmm. no, bag, no yeah. baggage, <laughs> with no
1: baggage on it at all. Yeah. That's the goal that we're getting to, that, we, that one day we wake up and we, and we go to, to that airport called self-judgment, and we stand in front of our, our belt and wait for, the, wait for the bags to come around, and there's, no ba- and, there's, and there's no bags. And instead of being upset that I've lost my luggage, <laughs> instead of being upset we've lost our luggage, we can take a sigh of relief that I'm done with that particular bag. And so, so, so of course, when you said self-acceptance, I heard self-love. And so, mm-hmm. fr- from the from the mm-hmm. ego's perspective, and this is a great this is a great question. From the ego's perspective, how long do you think the belt would be, and how many bags do you think would be on the belt? Well, from the from the from the ego's perspective, it's endless; it, it, it right. goes into infinity, and and the number of bags are as many as you could possibly imagine. But from the soul's perspective, it is eternal. And those little bags that, that are on your belt take up very little space. When you really get up above it and look at it from an eternal place, it's like mm-hmm. uh, let's make up let's make up that 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 eternity was a hundred yards. Uh, from the ego's perspective, the entire belt is consumed in baggage. But if you get up above it, it's maybe two or three yards of bags, and the rest of it's freedom. The rest of it's love. The rest of it's truth.
3: <laughs> the rest of that.
1: The rest of that. The rest of that empty belt you see, which goes off into eternity. That's that's what you have to be able to do is get up above it, and uh, and mm-hmm. be able to see really that the number, the number of bags that are on that belt aren't as many as you might imagine. And yeah. the irony, of mm-hmm. course, is that everybody. The, the irony is, of course, everybody has luggage. <laughs> everybody has baggage. There's no way to come in this existence. There's no way to travel in this existence and not carry your luggage with you. This is the point. And of mm-hmm. course, what we want to do as individuals—what we want to do as individuals—is—and I'll take it a step further—is—is is not take the baggage off the belt, grab the handle, and then turn around and smash somebody in the head with it because that's what we're doing uh-huh. with our baggage yeah, instead of absolutely. taking responsibility for it. Yeah, instead of taking mm-hmm. responsibility for what is our what is ours, we tend to we we tend to to make other people bump into this baggage by hitting them with it in some way, and so it's a mm-hmm. it's a good. I mean, I just made this up tonight, but it's a good it's a good example of uh, mm-hmm. of really this business, and and I, that's why I like the word collection, recollection, and and this idea of repeating this recollection. Mm-hmm that that when we're recollecting, the implication is that we're going into the past to recollect something that we've already collected. Repeating is really kind of going through the inventory of what our baggage is and in the repetition making a decision what to let go of.
3: Hmm. And, and,
1: that's the, and, that's, yeah, and that's the key. So your identity, of course, and is larger than those bags, who you really are, what you really are is larger than those particular bags or your, or your, or the ego. So this is the suffering you see, Irma. This is why I, I I teach this idea that, uh, that, that we have to labor with those bags until we decide not to anymore. Mm
3: -hmm. There's no way
1: to, to, they're not just going to go away because we will them or wish them away. It doesn't happen that way. We have to, we have to take responsibility for them and, um, I think the way I did it is each time I took the bag off the belt, it was a little bit lighter each time. <laughs> mm,
3: mm, yeah, and then,
1: yeah, yeah. Is,
2: yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that, huh. yeah. But, yeah. When I was thinking of, of self-judgment, I'm sorry, Ernie. Did I interrupt you? No, no,
1: no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. No,
2: there's a, when I was
1: there's a normal um, there's a there's a no, there's a normal lag in Skype tonight, as there always seems to be on Blood
2: talk. Yeah. It's a normal lag. Yeah. Um, When I was thinking of of self-judgment, I really kind of had a hard time wrapping my mind around self-judgment because it seems um, uh, made up. It, it does. It kind of seems made up. So a note I made for myself when I was, what is self-judgment? It's when we add a negative distortion to an experience. And that's what I mean by it seems made up because um, what really well, it's in famous. the present moment is, is so negative or not pretty wonderful yeah. most of the well, time
1: well you've shared you've shared before that that guilt is your demon and shame is my demon so so what you're saying is that that blame and punishment is made up, or in this case of guilt, blame is made up, and then the punishment isn't necessary so yes, i mean if if you look at all psychological disorder for the most part um, uh, particularly is it is it is tied to this sense of self self and this business of identity, mm-hmm. of course it's made mm-hmm. up. It's all made mm-hmm. up. Uh, what What's not made up, though, Irma, is the experience you went through that gave it to you. In other words, if you've got guilt and you came through a culture where you learned guilt, and in my case, shame, the experience is not made up. It's what is how we interpret the experience is what's made up, because the interpretation for for a guilt person is. You know, oh my gosh! I'm making mistakes, and then i and then you punish yourself in the process of making those mistakes. I should know better. I shouldn't have done that all of those kinds of all that kind of dialogue with shame. It's like well, you know, if it's shame on you or shame on me, it's always going to be shame on me. so if there's something if there's something aberrant here, it must be me because I'm a deformed animal in this business of shame, and so of course that's made up but 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 it's it takes many of us a lifetime to let go of that internal script that makes it feel like it's true. And this is what the ego does. Because of repetition, it feels like the truth.
2: Okay. Because See, I, can, the, I because, can wrap yeah. my mind around that in a, in a, a clearer yeah. way because it's more um, experiential. Because to me, self-judgment, I connect that to like thoughts. And to me, those mm-hmm. thoughts are made up. But it's really the the experience that's kind of spurring those those thoughts. And depending on if you were right. kind of conditioned with guilt or conditioned with shame, yeah, yeah,
1: yes, exa- exactly. And if you look at what the experts say, sixty thousand thoughts a day is what they say is what the experts say we are thinking. I don't know how they figured, came up with that number. Who sits around and counts a person's thoughts? But uh, but they came up with that, and they also came up with the idea that ninety-eight percent of that thinking is the same stuff we thought the day before. So there's your repetition, and so mm-hmm. and so, and we know now yeah. that it, that if you repeat it, that if you repeat something to yourself long enough and hard enough and with intensity with emotion, it begins to feel like the truth. And this is uh-huh. this is if there's a knife, if the, if there's a knife that's responsible for the division that happens internally, that's the knife. Repetition, the, the redundant, repetitive, obsessive, ruminating, perseverating of the same old stuff about ourselves day in and day out, so much so that it begins to become unconscious. And in, and in that unconscious state of repeating, it feels like the natural state. Our natural state and, is guilt, um, our that's natural that's state is, is shame. And we only know it when something provokes it into the present, into our awareness.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. And so,
1: and so the the key is, of course, is that if you heal either one of those two things, guilt or shame or both, then repetition slows down, and the outside world can't provoke it as easily. Into it's almost it's it's almost like hitting a rewind button on a tape player, and then starting it from the beginning. Or you know, or, or it starts at a very particular time, and so each day when we get up to to do the sixty thousand thoughts a day, we have to hit the rewind button. We're not starting where we went to bed that night, so we get up every morning and hit and hit the, re, hit, the, hit the rewind button, and then hit play, and then we start our day. The same old stuff repetitively. Then we go to bed that night, rewind it as we go to sleep, get up the next morning, hit the play button again, and so this this literally is the is the is the knife. It is responsible for the division that is going on inside of us internally, uh, this business of repetition. And so all I'm saying tonight to the listeners is that it's okay to recall. It's okay to recollect this material, but only if you're going to go backwards so you can then move forward. It it really is. You've heard the phrase taking two steps back to go one step forward. Well, that's Mm -hmm. the the trick. There's There's no way to do spiritual work without going backwards before you can go forward and this mm-hmm. is one of the things i'm bringing that i don't that, that i don't think is happening in the spiritual community is is that they're just telling people they can move forward from where they're standing right now and that's not true it's
3: mm-hmm. just not that simple
1: you can't just you can't just decide to move forward and act like that all that stuff that you carry with you can be ignored that's not true at all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cer- you can certainly repress it and suppress it you can even project it onto others in your effort to rid yourself of it, but it's still there. It's in the human psyche until you bring it to the surface.
3: Mm-hmm. It's that
1: example I gave you I, that I gave you once of a clear glass of water that at the bottom yeah. has has black has this black kind of uh, stuff at the bottom. It's maybe a quarter of an inch thick, and that is that is the the baggage. That is the the material of the human shadow. Well, it, it lies at the bottom of that glass of clear water until you shake it. And then when you shake it, the water turns, turns gray, and it permeates the, the water until it settles back down to the bottom again. Well, every day we get up, the shadow is being provoked into that clearness, into that truth. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 not, and in some way, shape, or form, it, it's happening with our relationships that happens when we see something on the news. We could be reading a book and it can happen. I mean, the, it's, mm-hmm. the, the point is, if, it, if, we're, if we're not conscious of it, we don't know where the angst is coming from when it happens. It's almost like, how did my water get gray? What did I do? What did they do? Whose fault is it? And what if you leave it to the ego, it's the person's fault that provoked you. Mm-hmm. When, in actuality, uh, when in actuality, it was lying there dormant the whole time, all I did was bump into it. I didn't give it right. to you. I'm not the source mm-hmm. of your original experience with me, you know, but this is what we tend to do, and instead of taking responsibility for it, we project it and say that you did this to me, or you did that to me." And, but in truth, what the soul would say is, "I invited this character or this event into your life to rattle you just enough for you to see this. They were perfect mm-hmm. for what I intended them to do and them to do. Yeah. And so it really changes how you react to people that provoke you. Would they provoke this material, because it's almost like you want to thank them. You know, it's like thank you for that.
3: Yeah. I would not have known, yeah. You know,
1: but, but, in, yeah. but in most cases, the, the the people have no idea what you're thanking them for. <laughs> so, yeah. so you can't yeah. have that particular yeah. conversation. Yeah, unless you're unless both of you are awake and conscious and paying attention to that. Yeah, yeah. You and I had a mm-hmm. You and I, you and I had mm-hmm. a, had, had a similar experience where we were both present and then all of a sudden we weren't. Uh oh, that, that was a that was a good Yeah, yeah, that was a good example. Uh we both just kinda of went off into our own space and in that in and that and when that occurred we pulled away from uh from a from a more clear, truthful place to to two individuals who were in their heads for whatever reason. And uh and but because we were awake we noticed what was occurring. And uh, yeah. I remember, and we both, and we, and, and both of our reactions to the experience was, wow, that that kind of sucked. I don't want to go through that again. And that's what it feels like. That's what, yeah, that's that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like when you get taken away from yourself for a minute. Um, sometimes it takes you know a little time to get back. And. Uh, and so it, it, it's it's all kind of related, Irma. It's because it's dimensional mm-hmm. travel. As far as I'm concerned, it's dimensional travel. What is, mm-hmm. what is recalling? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, What is recalling something if it isn't going into another dimension? To, I mean, think about somebody mm-hmm. who lives with anger. You know. If I've got anger in my psyche, and it's with me every day, and let say it's justifiable anger that I got it because I had to grow up too fast. I got it because I was abused. I got it because I was abandoned and rejected, and now I'm in the present with it. And, uh, and when I recall these things, I'm traveling back in time. I'm regressing mm-hmm. to an earlier time in my life to go back because how could I be so angry today without going back and getting this old anger you see? And this is what we mm-hmm. tend to do we have mm-hmm. and this is the benefit of knowing knowing the difference between feeling your way through something and emoting your way through you know if you're emoting you're you're recalling and and repeating if you're feeling your way through you are you are just experiencing what you're in in that moment you're not going into the past to to try to make sense of it and so mm-hmm. that's the benefit of knowing you know that's why I say all the time that that, that we should feel more and emote less because emotions uh, are the curse when it comes to this kind of this kind of self judgment. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought you were going to go a different way with the uh, dimensional travel because when we had that that experience that that you were just mentioning, it felt to me like because my experience with you is is expansive. And there, I don't feel kind of any restraints. And that experience we had, it kind of brought me out of that expansiveness into this kind of two-dimensional or very limited way of being in that experience. And it was really, for me, awful. <laughs> well, well, and anyway, what we felt, we,
1: but what we did, what we did was we felt, we felt tethered to the earth. We felt Heavy that, where before yeah, that experience,
3: that.
1: <laughs> well before yeah. yeah well before that happened we felt lighter and that's the difference yeah. that's the difference and yeah so this is this is and and so 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 it is dimensional travel at some level and and because the soul is in that dimension of eternity it's it's an it's an eternal kind of quality that comes uh, that comes from from the source, I, I had a thought today. I was going to talk to you about this off the air, but I can mention it because it fits this conversation tonight. Is that as I was looking through uh, the, I'm, I'm rewriting the Soul's Intent to update it uh, for this next chapter that we're moving to with my work, and um, and it occurred to me that I, I say in the original Soul's Intent that we get cut away from the Creator, it's a faded break that happens because we have a memory. Uh, of being tied to uh, to the heartbeat of the mother, which is the creator, we have a sensation of the dimension of the of the soul that is that is us when we are incarnated. So that spark to life that happens, uh, but it never occurred to me that we're not just getting cut away from the creator, which is the mother. We're getting cut away from creation itself, which is where we come from. Uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: so it, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, I mean if we yeah, are a drop – if, 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 if an individual soul is a drop of life, and life is creation itself, then not only are we, are we getting cut away from the mother when we are when we born and, and the umbilical cord is cut, but we're also getting cut away from creation itself, which is where we came from. We mm-hmm. are a product of or a manifestation of creation and so that's another kind of grief, you see,
3: that never mm-hmm. occurred to yeah. me, uh,
1: and yeah. th- that that we're getting cut away, f- that we're getting not just cut away from the Creator, which is the Mother, we're getting cut away from creation itself, which is life, mm-hmm. and, spend right. ho- right. and spend our
3: whole and spend
1: our whole and spend our whole lives trying to get back to it, trying trying to get back. Mm-hmm. And what and what keeps us, of course, what makes the journey hard is is this business of self judgment. Self-blame, uh, self-punishment, mm-hmm. and self-loathing is the really is the knife that divides every one of us at some level. Um, and trying to heal that mm-hmm. division, of course, is the work. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I just kind <clears throat> of felt as you were saying that being um, cut away from creation itself is it um, just brought to mind the importance of creating in your life. I mean I think that whatever you're creating whatever it is whether it's through the arts or you know maybe you're um you I don't know no no matter what your creation is the fact that you are creating I think reconnects you to creation and I don't know that that people put um the importance on creating that I I think belongs there. We have to create. If we don't create, I think we spiritually shrivel up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. you're saying create, I would, say, I would say self-express. I mean, that, that you know, the soul's mm-hmm. intent mm-hmm. is to self-express. And your self-expression is your form of creation. It is, right. in yeah. no other words, mm-hmm. it's, it's why? Because it's an extension of creation. If you If you were created uh, from the source and you feel being cut away from that source, then once you get get here and get present and get all this egoic material out of the way, the natural inclination is to then self-express, which is
3: mm-hmm. what so you,
1: are an express, you are you are an expression of life itself just by your birth. And you are a conduit for all forms of self-expression that comes through you. So yes, uh,
3: mm-hmm. uh, and, and so
1: a lot, a, a lot of musicians and artists, uh, that's what they, they, they long to tap into that creative energy that, that is them. You know, they're mm-hmm. not trying to go. And so if, 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 we, if we use the word uh, collect and recall and repeat, uh, those, are, those are creative steps. You know anybody who creates anything is recalling, collecting and repeating and uh and and trying to find something in that process that is worth expressing and bringing to the world
3: mm-hmm. because
1: some of it's just you know some of it's just just convoluted stuff you know it's and so any painter any writer any any musician they're they're going through that process that they're trying to. To, uh, to bring something into this existence. And so they are a conduit for that level of self-expression. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Mm, yeah, and I don't think there's really anything more beautiful than um, that kind of self-expression when a, a person is expressing who they truly are and they have that connection. There's nothing more beautiful than that.
1: Well, if you can imagine how 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 food moves through the body. It's, it's the same way. We, we eat food to nourish us, and then it passes through us and leaves as waste. Well, the idea in the human psyche is there's no such thing as waste. That the process of nourishment uh, um, and then and then the cycle of nourishment and then waste is, is just that. It's a cycle. And so what you're trying to do is filter out of that that material, whatever it is, is where where are the diamonds and the rubies in that material you mm-hmm. see where where is the where is, yeah, and so that that's that's part of the process because in the human psyche mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there is way oh that that's even true. the darkest mater- yeah, even the darkest material has value and uh uh. And and this is is what scares people about the human shadow is that they're they're ashamed of their waste, you see. I mean it it sounds kind of gross, but it's not any different than than using the bathroom and forgetting to flush the toilet. And then somebody comes in and goes, oh my gosh, why didn't you flush the toilet? Well, people have the same reaction to the human shadow, that they're going to be embarrassed if you see their waste. When in actuality, it isn't all – if you know the human condition, it isn't all waste. Somewhere in that material, and it's—it's um, it's like we forget that it was food originally, you know. Isn't that ironic?
3: Mm. <laughs>
1: yeah. That all, you know, that it, it, it's almost like that we forget that it was originally food, and so, and so we—and and what do we use waste for in the culture? Well, fertilizer and all other mm-hmm. kinds of things. I think up an outer space. I, I think up an outer space. The the astronauts. Uh, Urinate into a special machine or something, and literally uh, filter their urine and re-drink the water once it's been filtered. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: That's how they Mm -hmm. stay up. That's how they stay up. And so it's the same process. I mean, that that, the Mm -hmm. the uh, spiritual work is is doing exactly that. It's filtering out the waste uh, and finding uh, finding the uh, the benefit of the substance, whatever the substance may be, and then reusing it again, recycling it again. And so it's okay to to recall and to collect and to repeat, as long as you're doing that. As long as you're filtering out the worth of the of the experience, because then otherwise it's just waste. You see, and this yeah. is what people make up. They make up, they make up that their life experience, all of the pain and the suffering, the adversity, uh, all of the way that they broke the rules to survive, all the things they're ashamed of doing. That they had to do to survive. They don't understand that in 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 that material is also divine, uh, spiritual material. It isn't all just waste. And this is the trick. How do I filter out uh, what is no longer useful, and then then recycle what is useful? And that mm-hmm. recycling is the in, in, ends up becoming the process of uh,
2: death and rebirth. It's the same thing.
3: Mm hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so. I really like that. I really like that um, the filter example, filtering out yeah to find yeah the, uh, the gems that are there. Yeah. So I yeah, I turned yeah, it and down would, would you, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead yeah. now. <laughs> the question. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's it, fine. Go it, ahead. Uh, <laughs> the question is. Um, How can we be ourselves and judge ourselves at the same time? That doesn't seem possible. Huh. Well,
1: (laughs) how can we judge ourselves and be ourselves at the same time?
2: How can we we be ourselves, our true selves, and be judging ourselves at the Mm -hmm. same time? So when I wrote that down, I thought, well, well, if you're – your true self, you couldn't judge yourself because you you're in it.
1: <laughs> right. I was gonna I, I I was gonna say it's a progression. the 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 first answer is is that the reason you know, how can we judge ourselves and be ourselves is we are by nature, no, I'm sorry, by design, not by nature, a judging animal. In other words, hmm. we're taught to judge we're, we're taught to critique we're taught because that's part of adapting. Uh, you know part, part of what the ego does is it tries to figure out how to live in the world that it's in, and so so part of that part of that turns us into a judging animal because you remember I told you that if you could walk into a courtroom and go into a judge, would you go into the wrathful judge? to look at your life story, would you go into the compassionate judge? Well when I ask that that question to people that are awake and that are present, they go, Well that's that's a no-brainer. You go into the compassionate judge. Well if that's true, then why do ninety nine percent of us go into the wrathful judge when we are evaluating our lives? And the answer is we are trained to do that. We are
3: mm-hmm. we are
1: judging animals until and we are judging animals by design, by conditioning until we choose mm-hmm. to stop. And uh and, and how we justify the judgment how we justify the judgments is through logic, through through trial and error, through hindsight, through all those different kinds of things. In other words, guilty people feel self righteous in their judgment. Shame feels that it is it is aberrant that it's it's so it's so aberrant that it's in a constant state of indifference about itself so so but those two things are conditioned into us so much so that it's it seems like it's our nature but in actuality our nature is to is to is to do just the opposite of that which is to accept to be compassionate to be loving to be forgiving
3: Mm -hmm. uh by
1: nature that's you know, it, it, to, to to be more heart-centered. And so it's like you're asking the question, how can we be ourselves when we're in our heads if we're in our hearts? And the answer would be you can't do both. You have to, you yeah. have to make a choice.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: you yeah. have to make a choice. Yeah. But, but, but we do do both, Irma. Here's the irony of that, particularly when it comes to ourselves. Now, when it comes to others, I can judge myself all day, day in and day out, but I might forgive you. I might love you show compassion towards you but when it comes to me that feels foreign so i don't know how to do that so therefore i'm just going to do what i do best which is just judge myself or do self-hatred mm-hmm. and so uh. and so 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 what so what we try to do is we try to get it by I, what is the word by by proxy by osmosis that we that mm-hmm. if i love you and, uh, and you love me back then that would be me getting love because i loved you and then you love me back. It's not the same mm-hmm. thing as me loving myself. So we try to get it by bouncing it off something else. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. give it directly. We don't give it directly to ourselves. We give it to somebody else first, and hoping that they will return. That's actually quite Christian. You know, that's if we put it. You know, if we if we put it out into the world, it will come back tenfold. Um, but that's not the way it works in the human psyche. Uh, you can burn mm-hmm. out doing that. You can show com- you can show compassion to others. And hold your breath because it may never come back. You see,
3: or mm-hmm. it won't come back mm-hmm. at the level of
1: which you. It, it will not come back at the level of which you've given it to others. This is the unfortunate part about that. You can love. You can love the world until until you're purple. It doesn't mean the world's going to love you back. And so you can see that that it's an inside it's an inside process. You have to be able to do self acceptance before love from others will even stick. If you don't accept yourself, and somebody loves you, you can't feel it. It has mm-hmm. no place. It can't align with your your, your, inter, your internal truth. And uh, speaking for somebody, mm-hmm. that shame is a demon. I went, I went, I went most of my adult life not being able to handle a compliment because it didn't stick. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard, I, I heard it. I believed that people were being sincere, but it didn't stick. And and guilty people uh, don't have quite that problem because they don't have self hatred, but but when they're given compliments uh, for doing something right, internally they tend to do well. You you don't know all the mistakes I've made. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. So 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 guilty people do that. I mean, they they accept the compliment for doing things right or seeming to have some inside track on life that the other person doesn't have but in the privacy of their own head they're going yeah but you don't know all the mistakes I've made.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: a, yeah. So 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 that and, and it's and, and and all this is done unconsciously Irma, we don't sit around consciously and do this. I mean, who would get up mm-hmm. on purpose and do self-blame and self-punishment? We don't do any of this on purpose. We're we're kind of trained and conditioned to do it this way. And that's the that's the sad part about it, which is why my work is trying to get people to be aware of it. That if you see the larger picture, uh, it all looks a lot different.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, we uh, we've we've talked a lot about the the self judgment part, and um, I think the um, the title of the show is observation: a recess from the repetition of self judgment. So, I I interpreted the. Observation as the observer. <laughs> yes. So, yes, and that's um, yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the observer yeah, that, that's just the, watches that's, thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah. that's the only place where you're. That's the only place where you're stepping off of the merry-go-round. You're stepping away from the conveyor belt. Uh, you're getting away from the pendulum of back and forth and in and out and and past versus present. Now you're above it in that observer position mm-hmm. which is really the soul's perspective and and in that place you do have a recess you have a time out and it allows mm-hmm. you to observe without without from this neutral position without judgment what it is that you're witnessing and what it is that you're seeing and then you're deciding from that observer position what to do with the with the context that's now in front of you. And so yeah, the the observer is the only way to take the time out. It's the only way to take a break mm-hmm. from it. Because otherwise you're
3: mm-hmm. you're
1: you're kinda of conditioned you're kinda of conditioned to just go through that cycle of recalling, collecting, recollecting, repeating, and then starting over again. Well when you step away from the conveyor belt and step away from that, that pattern of thought, because that's what it is, guilt and shame is a pattern of thinking once you step away from the pattern you can now look at the emotions and look at the feelings you can sit in that observer position and see how you feel about what you're witnessing or you can sit in that observer position and and emote about what you're witnessing and of course the observer doesn't want to emote it tends to feel and uh, mm-hmm. so you're so you're much more in- So so you're much more in tune with that. And the feeling reaction, of course, to to the immediate moment is the human spirit, which is why it's a spiritual dimension that you're standing inside of as you watch the ego go back and forth and do this dance of recollecting, repeating. Yeah, regressing, going into the past, back into the present and back and forth. Uh you're you're actually in a spiritual dimension when you're in that position of observer and you can see the whole thing. And and yeah. once you do that and practice that at some level, it becomes less intimidating when you are in the middle of it. It's kinda like, you know, when you're on the roller coaster or whatever, whatever language you want to use for it. When you're in your emotions, you're you, you can't see very clearly. But when you back away for a minute, take and look at it objectively and, and look at it with love and look at it from the dimension of love and truth and freedom, then you're just watching a seesaw or a merry-go-round or a pendulum or a conveyor belt, whatever image you, you bring. And that's, and that's the funny part about that is people bring these images. People bring these images with them when they, when they talk about this. It's
3: um, mm-hmm. um,
1: mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think I told you one time about a, about a client that I had that, I asked him how they were feeling today, and they said, "I feel like a dam about ready to burst." And in mm-hmm. the position of observer, in the, in the position of, of the observer, I said, "Well, draw me the dam." And they looked at me like I was nuts. I said, "You said you feel like a dam. Draw me the dam." And so they drew me on a piece of paper. They drew the picture of a dam. I said, "Okay, now show me where on the wall that you think the break's going to happen." And uh, invariably, they put a crack somewhere about halfway down or towards the bottom of the dam. And so I say, how old are you? And they say they're 35. I can draw a zero at the bottom of the dam and 35 at the top of the dam and see that their break is somewhere around the age of 13 or 14. And I say, well, it looks like that your weakest portion of the dam happened when you were 13. What happened at 13? Mm-hmm. And, they look, wow. and they look at me blown away. They look at me blown away. It's like, how did you know that I had something happen at 13 I said well that's where you put your crack on the dam that's how I knew
3: mm-hmm. all I lack now
1: is all I, all I lack now is what the event, what was the event and invariably is my parents got divorced my father died I was sexually mm-hmm. abused uh, yeah. something and so and so when they and so when they asked me how I do that I say I stood in the position where the soul stands and saw the whole thing you're standing Right in front of the crack, waiting for it to hit you in the face as soon as it erupts. I'm above it, looking down at it, and from my vantage point, it looks different. And now you have the same vantage point. How's that feel? They're blown away by that example, but uh, mm-hmm. but that but what 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 what's, what's powerful about that is everybody has these images. It's in their language. Language is nothing but symbols, so it's in their language. It's in their symbols, and so I take the symbols and I work with them and say, well, let's let's. I see what the ego sees. I see a two-dimensional perspective of this. Let's look at it from a three- and fourth- and fifth-dimensional position and see what comes up. And lo and behold, what comes up is the truth, of course, the dimension of truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and they get energized in that moment. You know, yeah. In that moment, they're energized because, because they're no longer tethered to the ego's perspective, you see. They're well, now yeah, outside of know. it yeah and so it's a whole different experience when that happens. Yeah. yeah
2: i can't i honestly I can't imagine going through life and not um, having a connection to the observer self. I, I just don't know how right. I would have survived my life that would be that i don't even I can't even imagine what that would be like. so do you does everyone have a connection to the observer self?
1: I think I think everybody has a connection to their own soul. What they what happens is they are conditioned to not trust it. It's just mm, like not trusting mm-hmm. your intuition, or, or not trust or not trusting your heart. I think we all have mm-hmm. some memory of those of those three or four years that we are aware of it in the womb and shortly after we arrive. But I think depending upon how how harsh life is. Uh, And how quickly we have to adapt, and how severe that adaptation is, and how how rough our lives is, determines on how how much that gets buried. So I think it, I think it's in all of us. I know it's in all of us. I think the problem is it goes out of our awareness so so much that we don't think it's real. Uh, You know, like I, I told you. I have people ask me all the time if the soul was real, you know, and and, and I, I tend to say to people, well, if you don't like the word soul," science calls it non-local intelligence, which means it's in your body mm-hmm. and inside your body yeah the key yeah. word there is or the key to, the key word there is intelligence, <laughs> you know that it's intelligence that you can tap into it isn't it isn't out of your reach, as I say all the time, it's never off, it's never away it's always available. Uh but, but trusting it, Irma, is the key. And uh and mm-hmm. for for those of us for those of us who had harsh beginnings, we had to we had to learn to trust it. We had to learn uh to uh to give it station and that's and that's that's the key. And a lot of us don't know how to give it station. And then before we know it, all we gotta do is get pulled away from it for a minute and then take five years to find it again. Uh, We've all all, – that's where I – that's when I say two seconds to get in and five years to get out. I mean, at at some point, Mm. we're we're connected to it, but then we somehow get pulled away from it because we're just busy doing our lives, whatever that may be, making Mm. a living, and some effort to try to have a life, you know.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So something I th- I thought of um, just a, a few minutes back, and and I wanted to remember to bring it up because I I thought of this before, and I I never got around to asking you. You talk a lot about the inner division that they, that we all have. This we're divided. So mm-hmm. as we go about our spiritual work, and kind of that division integrates. And, and becomes um integrated whole, so would there be like uh would we be looking at life as if the external is external and internal is internal, wouldn't it just be kind of seamless wouldn't life just be kind of seamless?
1: yeah the 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 only division that that or the most important division that we can resolve is the is, is the division between our inside and outside worlds because they are divided mm-hmm. just by just by the reality of our existence so before mm-hmm. we can get and, and we have to build a bridge and we and we have to build a bridge between that division between the the world of ego and the world of spirit we have to build a bridge to be able to move between mm-hmm. those two mm-hmm. worlds that division That division is built into the human condition. The division that's happening internally is the division between the soul, the ego, the spirit, and the heart. And that division happened because of trauma or because of some kind of emotional wound. And so we have these four organs of perception that are divided against themselves, you see, when in in truth, they were intended to work in a symbiotic relationship towards presence. So, so you've got to heal the division internally first before you can build the the bridge and the external between the world of matter and spirit because that's that's the that's the spiritual journey so to speak. So you're not you're not prepared you're not you're 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 not prepared to build that bridge until you have uh, healed that division on the inside, if that makes sense. One one mm-hmm. one we're born into one we're born into which is the world of ego and spirit. The other one happens to us, and uh, which is totally different. Uh, and that 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 happens to us is really the uh, the fault of the division internally. And so we have to heal that division between those those four organs of perception that really are not supposed to be in opposition to one another, but in, but invariably they are. Uh-huh. And this is how the human this is this is how the human ego gets gets kind of put in place as the default compass because. The heart moves out of our awareness and uh, and then we don't trust and we think the heart's you know just a pump it just pumps blood. we don't know we don't realize that it's actually the the seat of of our compassion it's the seat of the of everything that makes us human is found in the heart uh, and experienced experienced in the body so yeah
3: mm-hmm.
1: So we're down to oh we're down to we mm-hmm. like, yeah. we're, 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 we're We're down to five minutes, four minutes left in the show. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to part with, Irma, before we go?
2: Well, uh, just one phrase that came up in connection to this self-judgment and um, recalling things and bringing things forward. There's Somebody said this to me once, and it just stuck with me because I've had some hysterical moments, and people around me have had hysterical moments. And somebody said to me once, if it's hysterical, it's historical. And I never forgot that because mm-hmm. it's so, so true. <laughs> So I thought that was well,
3: think, <laughs> I, that's very
1: That's very good. That's very good. Well, I, I think if there's anything that I want to leave folks with tonight is, is that it, the more and more you listen to the soul's intent, the more and more you become aware of what it is I'm trying to teach. You see how we take these words like hysterical, like recollecting, and repetition. Mm-hmm. Words like compassion, integrity, self love, and we and, and we're. I, I'm making an effort to try to get real clear about what these words mean, the origin of these words, which are in the spiritual dimension and which are in the psychological dimension and so making the distinction between those two is really the core of my work and the core of what I'm trying to do and and so and, and language is is uh, is living symbols. You know, it's uh, it's really how we symbolize and how we express our lives is through language. So, so getting real clear on how we talk to ourselves, how we relate to others, how we engage the world, this is all tied to this business of intentional and guided evolution in the soul's intent. And so, I, I want to thank everybody for listening. And Irma, thank you so much for joining me tonight for another wonderful show.
2: Thank you, Ernie.
1: All right, I'll see everybody next week.
0: Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psycho spiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And The Soul's Intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. And how, in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.